Attention Cannabis Radio listeners. Do you suffer from chronic pain, anxiety, depression, or PTSD? These are the most common qualifying conditions for medical cannabis. Did you know that in many states you can visit a doctor online with no waiting rooms, no drive, not even an appointment needed? See a doctor right from your smartphone. It's fast, convenient, and it'll save you money as most states don't collect taxes on medical cannabis purchases. So what are you waiting for? Go to MarijuanaDoctors.com slash Cannabis Radio and get $5 off your on-demand medical card evaluation. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond the million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. We're back with another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. A very important episode today and the next couple of episodes because we are going to delve into, well, if you've listened to this program for the last few weeks, you know, I've been really ramping up on a lot of things where the industry is going and where D.C. stands on the legalization issue now that the new administration, as well into its first 100 days in office, and a lot of talk about trying to recover the economy post-pandemic, trying to work our way back. But then, what does that look like? We are looking at a number of players coming into the space in terms of lobbying, in terms of persuasion to these D.C. lawmakers. We want to find out about that, but we're not, we're not going to necessarily go to all into that. But again, here on Cannabis Radio, we're, we are working feverishly to get the people that are going to talk about this I'm glad to have a guest on today that uh, really, it's a group that holds one of the largest conferences uh, in the country, really for cannabis in general, for years in, in Las Vegas, and you know they are, the MJ BizCon. Well, there we're going to go, first of all, introduce my guest, the founding editor of Marijuana Business Dealer, MJ Biz, as all of you might know. Launched it as early as 2011, became the first journalist in the United States to focus exclusively on covering the business of cannabis. Last year, was promoted to CEO back in January, where he leads the strategic vision of the company and his sister publication, Hemp Industry Daily, which I've cited on both of the, on this program many times, educating mainstream industries about the marijuana and hemp sectors. I'm joined by the CEO of MJ Biz Daily and MJ Biz Con, Chris Walsh. Thanks for being us with your own business. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk about the cannabis business today. Absolutely. So what I want to ask about first is uh, if I have you on, I'm sure other people are going to ask you about the event that is heralded. Every December, it used to be all this time of, of just thousands upon thousands going to the show, including us. Now, a Wall Street Journal opinion piece was posted February 19th, and this is where I'm going to start the interview here. Herd immunity could be reached by April, according to a report, with the current amount of people who have already had COVID-19 and the vaccinations taking place. Now, I know before all of you out there start saying anything, wait a minute, wait a minute, I know, I know. This is a very positive, very, uh, uh, yes, you might think this is being extremely optimistic. Sure, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. Dr. Marty McCary, a professor at John Hopkins University, John's, yeah, John Hopkins wrote the piece that read in part, quote, there is reason to think the country is racing towards an extremely low level of infection. As more people have been infected, most of whom have mild or no symptoms, there are fewer Americans left to be infected at the current trajectory. I expect COVID will be mostly gone by April, allowing Americans to resume normal life. Now, sure. Oh, but what about the variants? What about the stuff the media says? Yes, I get that, too. It's okay. 
again, I only bring this up because there are people and businesses that would like to get, especially the conference space, back up and running once again. So with that said, uh, I want to ask you um, about the fact of the issues when it comes to MJ BizCon, what you've been able to do throughout this time when you have, obviously, the publications that keep people connected, but that conference where you haven't, you didn't have it last year and you know, it was that constant trend to hope that things would come back. Maybe by December, you know, this whole mess would be gone, but we've lived with it for a year now. Talk to me about coming into the space now, taking over the reins at MJ BizCon and the, where the conference series stands. I mean, uh, not, not where sure. it's going to go now. I'll ask about that next, but I want to know about this last year, what, how this has dealt the conference, uh, any the significant, the situation that it's brought. Yeah, no, th thanks. Um, yeah, I was, you know, I took over the reins on January 1st of, of last year and we had big plans and we were having events in numerous countries as the yeah. global cannabis industry expanded and we had plans to hire a lot of people and our growth history for nine years up to that point uh, had been phenomenal. Like we have been growing along with the industry and helping the industry grow. And so several months after uh, I took over as CEO, all of that collapsed, uh, obviously with the pandemic. And so you know, the, the cannabis industry, we found out, has held up relatively well throughout this, which is great. And that's the industry we serve and that we're part of. However, for our specific business model, it was it was a disaster. Yeah. When, when you rely on to, to, to fund and grow your business on getting people together uh, in large numbers, and you that goes away overnight. And not only does it go away, you don't know when it will return. So last year, you know, we, we made a strategic decision to we had to, despite the pain that we went through, we wanted to keep serving the industry and keep our reach in it through MJ Biz Daily, through Hemp Industry Daily, through our magazine. So that whole news and information and analysis and case studies, we continued to fund in a very difficult environment for us because we felt it was really needed for the industry and for our company. And so um, as we went through the year, like anyone else, uh, like we all experienced and anyone in events, um, you know, it, it looked like it was going to be maybe a, a month or two thing at the beginning. And then it was seemed to calm down in the summer. And we said, okay, now maybe things will come back in the fall. And it just, it kept getting worse. And, and I think, you know, we just had to deal with the uncertainty of that. And, and I sympathize with everyone in the industry. I think MJ BizCon has become, you know, this, this global now gathering every year that if you're going to go to one thing, you go to that for whatever reason, to network, to do business deals, to go to parties, Whatever it is, it's where the industry comes together. And so people were relying on that for their own marketing and sales and investing and all that. Um, and we weren't able to do it in person. So we, you know, we switched to virtual only. Um, and, you know, it's a different ballgame. I still, you know, we still had the largest gathering, uh, you know, last year, but it's 7,000 people come virtually. Um, but it's a different, I think we've all learned that despite these big proclamations that everything will change when we come out of this and, and everyone's going to be using video a lot more and in-person maybe is not as big of a deal. I think is what we're all realizing is it is a big deal and it is a big deal in this industry specifically. The industry was built on face-to-face -face connections. Agreed. I say that for a lot of industries, but it's, it's at another level here. But so I people... think there's a point where I don't know if the large scale events can, I don't think anybody, I, I think there's a resistance starting now to the large scale events being virtually. I only say that because I look at, you know, obviously, well, I don't know how like a CES could continue to do a virtual. I know they have no choice. Like a second year, they have to go the same route. 
and others in the same vein. There's, I mean, the loss of the exposure to that uh, in general. And I think what also I see is when people have tried to inject Zoom intertwining into certain events we watch now on television, I got the Grammys, the Golden Globes, the same idea. That virtual Zoom thing, I think the overexposure of just seeing everyone on that, I think it's just lost the luster to had. And I think there's a point where people are ready to go back to physical. I really feel like that's the, and I know that there's obviously the fear and the hesitancy to try to get back into that kind of lifestyle again, but it has to absolutely be done. It's, it's, I mean, I just don't think people could just continue to go ahead and let the media kind of make a feel like, Oh, well, Variants are coming, and something else is going to happen. I think people are going to have, you know, the the, the they're going to have the wherewithal to say, okay, you know what, we can go back out, we can mask, we can socially distance. We have large venues, we have social distancing somewhat in place. Split the booths up, you know, the way that set up of uh, the makeup for the uh, conference hall, the, the speaking rooms, all these kind of things can be done in a large space like you have for like an MJ Biz. Now, when I ask you about Las Vegas, because you are scheduled to go and come back. And Vegas, for many conferences, is key. So Nevada Governor Steve Sisolak outlined timelines for Nevada that included gathering limits. As of March 15th, gatherings can be 250 people or 50% capacity, whichever is less. May 1st, the goal would be to transition authority from state to local governments for mitigation management. And I'm sure that the mayor of Las Vegas, Carolyn Goodman, would just said, you know what? Open right back up. Let's get the machine. Let's get the slot machines going. Let's get the conference halls full. And I think by the time MJ Biz comes back to October in Vegas, I think maybe things will have gotten to a point where you can hold the event like you had two years ago. So I want to yeah, ask. I mean, we're absolutely planning. We're absolutely planning on that, and we we've been very cautious and hesitant. We don't want to do anything that's not safe. So that's right. the main thing we're focused on. But everything is aligning, and if it continues going this direction, we feel really confident, and we're planning as uh, putting all the resources into coming back with this event. And for the reasons you mentioned, I mean, the first big show in Vegas on the agenda is in June. It's the world of concrete. It's bigger than our show. Yeah. And it's people in the concrete profession and they got special approval to host their event. Obviously it'll look very different with spacing and social distancing and masking, but you know, it, they've gotten approval that's June. And if that goes off, you know, then, then we're, we're likely in a really good position to get the industry back together in October. And also the fact that you got to move the show up to October. Normally this show would be put in December. Uh, I mean, it's kind of just a luck that if there were certain conferences that couldn't come back, you know, MJ Biz got a chance to even got even a better spot on the schedule to go ahead and host an event coming up in Vegas this year. Yeah, I mean, we used to be right after the election in November for yeah. our first five, six years. And then um, as we grew in the event world, as you grow, you have to plan your venues like years in advance because sure. the space get um, booked up and we hadn't. We didn't know we'd be how big this would be four years, five years ago. So we got pushed into December, long story short, because that's the only time they could accommodate us. So yeah. we did have an opening this year to get into October, which we felt was a better time than a week and a half before Christmas. Uh, and I think people will be ready. I think people will be ready to return. We hear it every day. I'm sure there will be people who's he hesitant. Um, but if this vaccine rollout continues, you know, we're almost a quarter of the population. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, in, in, in a couple months, imagine where we're going to be in, in July and August. It's just, uh, it really, and again, if the vaccinations come in, and you know, it's it it is something where I don't want to ever want to go ahead and put never take this not take this seriously, but I think people need to get to the point to get back to the business where it was, 
everybody, the, the trade show circuit needs to come back up all together and be going forward. Because, again, there obviously were obstacles your team traversed in the past year, not being able to host the largest in-person cannabis conference event, let alone in-person networking or preparate, and, and getting the preparations for a, a return back to Vegas. This will be, obviously, this is going to be a, a landmark event, the fact that we're going to get this back up. And talk to me so far about the response of the event. I mean, as the registrations have already started uh, as of this point, have you started getting any exhibitors already uh, ready to go ahead and jump back on board? Oh yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We're launching the official registration in the in the weeks to come. But um, for for the exhibitors and sponsors, you know, the there's there's hesitancy in some. They're just like wait and see, uh, or, or we want to see how this plays out. But in general, I mean, we have um, as much, if not more, traction than we normally do this time of year uh, heading into MJ BizCon, and uh, I think that. You know, I think people are getting their heads around, especially by October, they're going to feel comfortable and safe. And so that side has been has been going very well. And I think there's there's huge interest um, and people getting back together. And again, a lot of companies depend on MJ BizCon and other events um, for clients. That's their main marketing budget. And that went away for them, too. And it was hard to find alternatives that get the same return. So a lot of them are looking at their business and saying this is really important for us to go. And um, so really not hearing a ton of hesitancy. Sure, like I said, some, some companies are taking a wait and see approach to make sure we're, we're on the right path. But I think everyone sees, unlike until December or even more recently, there was really no light at the end of the tunnel. We didn't know how long and how much and how, how the vaccines would work and how, how the rollout would go. And now that we've got a couple months under our belt, I think people are seeing it, numbers are going down, more yeah. people are getting vaccinated. So I think businesses, I mean, they're ready to get out and do business again. And that's what we hear every day. And a lot of them rolled over their money from last year. We've got new people that were in space selection. So that's mm -hmm. a big part where it's like, where am I going on the floor? And that's always a, a very big part of, you know, planning for this. And there we go. Uh, the activity has been great. Now, I don't know if we're going to come back to 19 levels. We could, uh, maybe we could go over, but, um, you know, just being getting a critical mass of people together uh, at one time, kind of after this, this really tough year emotionally for everyone. Yes. Not every business did well in cannabis. Of course, a lot had to change. They got hit at different times. I think it's going to be an emotional reunion for the industry. And we heard lots of people say, my pictures from MJ BizCon came up on my, hey, a year ago you were doing this, you know, on, on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. And they were in Vegas. They were on the show floor. They were partying. They were meeting. And I think there was this sense that I keep feeling there's an emotional connection to this, too, that people go yeah. to it. So, um, and so and so I think we're excited. I think people are going to come. Now, when we come back from the break, I know, you know, one of the rare things I'm going to do, I'm not going to talk about the uh, the policy side of things, which I could talk to you about because of all the stories you do at MJ Biz Daily on a regular basis. But what I do want to talk to you about are some stories that come down to looking through rose-colored glasses, if you will. How the industry has gone through COVID and right now some of the good pros and cons that have come as a result. Because I think there's a lot of good that has come. And obviously, there's just certain sectors that have benefited and actually have grown as a result. Obviously, we could say the fact that, you know, cannabis was deemed essential. But again, some of the innovation and technology and the wherewithal of these companies to go and really take some good steps of innovation forward. I want to talk to you about that coming up after a short break. I'm here with the CEO of MJ Biz Daily and MJ Biz Con, the, MJ, the Marijuana Business Conference. Chris Walsh here on Blunt Business. We're back after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. 
Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm here with Chris Walsh, the CEO of MJ Biz Daily and MJ Biz Con. Despite challenges, Chris, such as rapid, rapid regulatory change, shifting public health demands, economic uncertainty, cannabis retailers say the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic has driven beneficial changes in their business models and motivated regulators to permit new ways of serving customers. So, again, there is a lot of positivity to go ahead and put out and some constructive criticism to put out in the industry on how things were handled during COVID. But, again, new services that have come into, ra- into range right now include online ordering to home delivery and curbside pickup to even drive through windows, all of which are helping cannabis retailers maintain and even grow sales during the pandemic. Now, that's a statement I was uh, presented before we got on. I was prepping the interview for the show that was given about the state of the industry by your team. Quote, we're extremely bullish on the future of the cannabis industry, both in the near term and the long term. And it's in a fantastic position as we emerge from the pandemic. We've seen record sales across the country over the past year, including new markets as well as more mature ones. Investor interest in the industry is not only recovering, it's starting to surge. And we expect additional sales, states, excuse me, to legalize medical or recreational marijuana this year. So while we wait for D.C. to offer the ultimate solution, Chris, where does the industry have room to grow? Yeah, I think there's lots of rooms room to grow. I mean, you're, you, let me just boil it down in, in an easy to understand way. Colorado is a mature market and people say, oh, it's mature. There's not a lot of opportunities. Colorado had record sales last year and yeah. it's, it's had recreational for m- many years now, at least relatively in this industry. So, you know, there's natural growth occurring. Um, growth is not plateauing in even the oldest medical or recreational states. So at a base level, you have continued organic growth, just the industry is came out of the darkness, right? And I think the potential before we see the plateaus in general are many years out, and we're seeing that in mature markets like Colorado. I think when you when you when you also couple that with the the increasing trend towards legalization, you have the five new markets uh, that are developing as a result of the election. You have more states that will likely legalize this year. Every year, there's another one, there's another two, there's another three. Um, and we still have a lot of room for, for new growth, just straight, pure new growth from states legalizing medical or recreational. Um, and then you also have, uh, when, you, when you go in further to the industry, you have the existing states. What you find over and over again is there's some initial resistance and hesitation. They legalize medical or recreational. The regulations are super strict. The conditions list is uh, ridiculous. You know, it's a small patient pool. But the great news for this industry is that in every case over time, the lawmakers start to understand, the regulators and the population start to say, hey, we can do this. It's not as bad as people said. The stereotypes are wrong. And so you find the loosening in regulation, which leads to more medical conditions, more licenses, more growth, more access, whether it's you know recreational or medical. And so you have that type of growth occurring right now as well. So even if it's not a mature market, even some of the newer ones that are, are starting off strict, 
they almost always um, loosen up and create more business opportunities and create, again, more access and more, more sales and more innovation. So on the innovation note, you also have, um, as the patient and the customer base matures too, you find different needs and wants developing. At first it was like, hey, I can go to a store and get this, cool. Then you get like, okay, I kind of prefer this thing or, oh, now what are all bowls? You know, I've never had that in the past. And then you have topicals and you have, you know, vape pens. And, and so there's innovation in the types of consumption methods and the types of products. And so there's new niches that crop up where you can, you know, um, make, make a health products and marketing tailored to women everywhere you look, there's growth opportunities and where, to, and not, I'm not trying to, um, you know, polish this industry. Like there's a lot of issues and it's challenging. Well, the challenges that would be is the in-person quotient because to get people back into the dispensary, having conferences where you could have the exhibitors go ahead and showcase new products to test a sample, to have the insight and the expertise of the bud tenders there to go ahead and let you know. So you can always try a new product. I mean, it's, it is a bit tough to go ahead and do that part to introduce new products or to open the palate of somebody of what they would like to go and have and, and different kind of sativas or indicas, whatever kind of plants, whatever kind of vapes, any kind of products like that. So it's been, that's would be, what what is the way to go ahead and work around that until we get to the point where people feel comfortable with in person completely? I mean, that's that's the one thing I think is the the question is there in the way that the convenience part of what we have right now with curbside. It's kind of learning where the fast food industry or the fast casual restaurant business did. They learned from that. They were able to integrate. They were able to go ahead and adapt. That's what cannabis did in the same vein. But it did, and and it's it's. It didn't do anything different in the sense that, oh, cannabis was innovative and the other industries weren't. It did a lot of the same thing. So that's not taking right. credit away, but it's just saying like, there are certain things that retailers did that have changed the ball game. I mean, people started ordering groceries online yep. and using Amazon all the time or whatever in delivery. And I think that, that that will stay with us to some degree. Sure. Oh, I agree. Even now, I mean, we're I'm in Denver, I'm fine going to the grocery store masked up but half the time we order online anyway because we got used to it and it's convenient. So I think in cannabis, the same thing is gonna occur where I don't think these are just trends that lasted through the pandemic. And as long as the regulations stay open like that, some of them were emergency kind of regulations to ensure access. Hopefully those stay because it's working, yeah. it's providing customer convenience and you still have the choice of going in. So the industry was innovative and I, I think a lot of these changes are here to stay and that opens up new markets. And Agreed. Let me tell you, and I have, never, I have never seen and it's only because of the pandemic that I saw it. Like if you go to Amazon, you know, go to a Whole Foods or you go to a Walmart and they have sections cordoned off now with all this work being done on deliveries. Like Amazon, I remember going to a Whole Foods right next to right where I, near I live and they must have had at least 30 orders. They were getting ready to go and obviously they have third party sources. It's not so much Amazon delivering themselves, but they're using third party to go ahead and get this all out. I mean, the ride sharing aspect also really helps a lot. And also, um, I guess the one thing that has happened yet is there wasn't a lot of growth yet to other states for delivery of so much. Obviously, California has the market pretty round pat, a lot of different competitors, but I guess some of those companies were not able to go ahead and make their way into other markets as of yet. That's the other part that's missing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, it depends on the, the regulatory structure, and you're not really seeing any homogeneity between states. They're all so still completely different in what's allowed. yeah. And, and so no blueprint is really materializing, which is 
hard, you know, if you're, if you're trying to make a go in this industry beyond one market. Um, so in some, you know, that you weren't able to deliver or you aren't now, or maybe again, maybe those regulations will go away. But that's also um, the governments as well, only worrying about compliance, worrying more about, you know, regulatory, as opposed to trying to go ahead and open up the market, better commerce. And mm-hmm. obviously hoping that from a federal level, legalization will open up interstate commerce, which will help everybody. And that will create a homogenization, as you said. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you now, go ahead, I'll finish up. I was just going to say, I think we're many years away from that. I think we've made a lot of progress as an industry in the last decade. Um, But the federal lawmakers are in a bubble when it comes to marijuana. So whenever anything changes, they're not going to know what they're doing. They're going to probably make some bad laws. It's going to be a whole issue where the the agencies are going to drag their feet. The FDA, they're already doing that with hemp. Like it's going to be a while. So if anyone's expecting federal change, if it happens and some law passes that loosens up our, our you know, regulations around marijuana, it's going to take many years till we, till we have like a traditional market and business conditions. Yeah. I want to just take one quick point before we go to break. Uh, there was an exclusive article that's on MJ Biz Daily right now. Uh, it was titled, How a Year of COVID-19 Forced Positive Change for Cannabis Retailers. Good read. And one of the things I put as a one quote I wanted to pull out and just make a point of is, Quote, the COVID-19 pandemic served as a catalyst that accelerated the marijuana retail sector's shift toward e-commerce and adjusted their buying habits in response to the pandemic. But what I did notice that I pointed out was the data showing a trend toward shopping less often but spending more on each trip. I like that point right there, and I wanted to bring that up. As we go to break, we're going to come on back. We're going to talk about um, some of the trends that we look are going to be long-standing after the pandemic. We're going to talk about that here with Chris Walsh, CEO of MJ Biz Daily and MJ Biz Con. We'll be back after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Back with final questions for Chris Walsh, CEO of MJ Biz Daily and MJ Biz Con. If I'm right, put a dot .com by, by, behind both of them, and you'll be able to go and check out the publication and also Hemp Industry Daily, which will, you can also link through there, and mjbizcon.com. Am I correct? And so make sure to go and take a look at that after the show. In the meantime, I want to go and ask you real quick, Chris, with vaccination rates increasing and the end of the coronavirus crisis in sight, Cannabis retail operators are now waiting to see whether consumers' pandemic-era shopping habits were possessed. We talked about that before the break, of returning to the dispensary. And some retailers told MJ Biz Daily they anticipate that at least some of those trends are here to stay. So I wanted to go ahead and just point out which trends do you see that are, are going to stay and, and you know what 
other things might come back do you feel like what's what's your outlook on how business will look what's going to stay incorporated what might get added and what could be added going forward as we normalize back up yeah um as we were discussing i think a lot of the changes they made to basically provide better convenience are going to stay so i think it fits consumer behavior um, patterns in general like we talked about delivery it's just becoming a bigger part of people's lives in general including for cannabis so that will likely subside to some degree, but um, I think that there's there's retailers with thriving curbside pickup uh, delivery, as we've talked about. I think curbside pickup may or may not. Um, I think a lot of people feel if they're already going out, they're just going to rather go in and get stuff. Yep. Um, you know, so I don't know. Maybe that's a trend that may diminish, you know, fairly quickly. Um, but I don't know for sure. I think the delivery, and it's really about convenience and access, and and I think. Hopefully that, that the industry has convinced the regulators that this is something that works and it can be done responsibly and delivering marijuana to someone's door is not a, you know, a, a huge issue. I think the industry did a good job more or less in handling this. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that will spur even more lawmakers and states to uh, introduce delivery options as part of the regulations or expand them or keep them if they loosen them up. I do think we saw the, the type of you know, product innovation that that has been going on in recent years, including during this, of really trying to dial into the different types of consumers and patients and figure out what they want. It's not just flour. It's not just gummies. There's a lot of other things, and those are the two, you know two of the most popular. But I think we all, we also saw retailers innovate during this time, and you said to have some other product categories. I mean, there's you know powders um, that you uh, water soluble that you can put in any drink. Those yeah. have been around. For a while in some markets, I think they're they're being introduced in others. There's things like that that are just expanding the consumer convenience and choice. And so I think a lot of that's going to stay. Now, what we don't know is, you know, a lot of people had extra money in their pocket because they may have gotten laid off and were making more through government benefits. Um, a lot of people had a lot of extra time uh, just sitting around the house. So that did lead to increased sales. Uh, and some of that may, may uh, diminish as people kind of get back to a normal lifestyle and work uh, routine. Uh, however, the other side of that is that the pandemic introduced a lot of people to cannabis. And a lot of people, we, we see this and hear this all over, is that they people that weren't consuming before tried it. Maybe some never tried it again, but you definitely have a lot that came into the cannabis fold now because of the pandemic, because they were sitting at home or whatever, for whatever reason. And so I do think we've gained a lot of new customers that are going to be Part of this industry and making purchases going forward and, and that i think is and normalizing this and further normalizing this which the industry needs in some respects to continue to grow and to change federal laws so i do think that we we did get a lot of good out of this in general as an industry and it held up better than than almost any other industry out there unless you were making face masks you know yeah well that's the other thing i mean there were some pretty good innovations very early on where some companies decided to stop using their machines for other things, decided to go and start, you know, generating hand sanitizer or creating other, or some hemp companies might have been creating masks or things like that, which, hey, very credible. We talked to some people on a, a grassroots marketing series about that. So that was uh, very commendable, as you will. But I guess the one thing is just the, the getting the proximity of those that want to be able to try out new products. That's why I mentioned before is – do you feel like there's any need to reconfigure the dispensary? Is there, where, where like fast food uh, chains are looking to go and reconfigure where the dining room is less significant? Is the, is the dispensary, the showroom, will that become something a little less 
prioritized? Uh, that's a really good question. I do not think it will be less prioritized. I think it might change in some ways just as yeah. a natural evolution as the industry matures and figures out what retail layouts work best. And, you know, it depends on who you're targeting and whether it's medical or recreational. Um, but the reason I say that is cannabis is still fairly new. Like you go into a McDonald's or a Red Robin or whatever, you know what to expect. And it's been there that way for decades. And and people, they're, they're, they are redoing things for other reasons. I think cannabis is still a big part of it, especially as new people come in. It's the experience and it's the getting comfortable with it. It's doing it in a safe environment. And yes, you can do it online and that might be more of a, of a thing going forward. But I think the retail side, um, I don't think they're going to be downsizing or de-emphasizing. Uh, in fact, I still think it's going to be the opposite. I think yeah. that you know the retail experience is very, very important in this industry. Um, and even if some of that's eaten away by people getting delivery uh, or curbside pickup, it's not enough in my mind that it's going to lead to large scale changes across the industry on the retail side and design and space needs and all of that. Uh, I'm excited to see how it's going to evolve going forward because there's some cool concepts out there. You know, you go, there's lots of different variety in different states of what the look and feel is and how they display products. And it can be a really fun experience that you can't replicate, you know, through delivery. And people still want to see the new products. And they want to be in there. And they want to, <laughs> even if you've done it 50 times, it's still uh, kind of awe-inspiring to walk into this and be like, this is all legal now in my state. I'm actually here and I'm buying it. I'm not going to that get arrested with this sitting on my, you know, passenger seat. And I think that that, you know, still hasn't gone off for a lot of people and it might not, not yeah. for a while. So there's also just that aspect. There's kind of an emotional connection with going to these, these shops. Exactly. I could have talked to you at least another hour and gone into the subject of talking about the stocks and, and all the issues going behind where all the kind of injection of investment that's going on into the cannabis space with all the stocks that are coming up right now. Uh, I kind of talked to you about organogram. I could have talked to you about, MedMen and Canopy Growth getting injection of cash to kind of keep going and moving and grooving. And so much more about policy, but uh, we're out of time. <laughs> but honestly, uh, I would love to go and keep in touch, Chris. And what I want to do now more than else, anything right now is I want to make mention of the websites, of course, mjbizdaily.com, hempindustrydaily.com, and mjbizcon.com. Real quickly, let's go ahead and wrap up about the conference. What details can you tell us right now up to the minute about what's going to happen in October and when, what, what dates people should be keeping an eye on for when they want to be a part and be involved? Yeah, you can sign up on our, on our website, uh, on the MJ BizCon website to get alerts. And when we launch registration, we're working through some of the software right now, but we'll be launching registration soon and you can, you can sign up to attend. Um, you know, we're, we're in knee deep in planning what this is going to be. And, and how it's going to work with the regulations. But I can guarantee that, you know, it's going to have the same buzz uh, as our previous ones. I mean, we are, we are pulling out all the stops to do this safely, but, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be a lot about business. It's going to be a celebration too. Yeah. It's a celebration that we as an industry and individuals, professionals, business owners, investors, we made it through this. And, and we have a lot of uh, forward-looking things to be excited about with where marijuana is going, whether federal change happens or not in the next two years. Is there anything you could tell me about the scale of the size of the event in terms of how big the hall might be, how many exhibitors, sponsors you might have, speakers, anything like that? Will there be a similar scale to 2019, or do you think it will be definitely something a little bit different? Um, so we're hoping it's a similar scale to 19. It's a little early to say for sure, but we're, we've got as much, we got more space than we had in 19. Okay. And of course we're going to have to space things out, but we're going to, we're going to have it as big as the industry is ready for. 
Um, so if that's like 2019 and we have 14, 1500 exhibitors and ma you know, massive halls full you know, uh, of people, and again, socially distanced, then that's, that's what we'll do. It's, and we'll have capacity limits to make sure it's safe. Um, but I fully expect that um, you know, it might not be quite the size of 19, uh, which coming out of the pandemic is fine. I don't think anybody's um, gonna. I don't. I wouldn't think that anybody could expect that right now because that yeah. you, there's there's going to be a little bit of because uh, I, I can imagine whoever's going to be doing programming or education to get speakers or try to get that that uh, keynote a couple of keynote speakers on board and trying to get the things that will draw people to come on back and then the hesitancy for people that will want to go ahead and make the trip again and say do I want to go on a plane that's going to be hot as an oven because we're not going to circulate the air wear a mask for six hours am I going to want to go through that no matter how much I want to go like that's, that's some of the questions that are there I mean sure. it's going to be tough to reach the level but I, I don't see how the show doesn't do you know hopefully I would think above expectations well, again, we're, we're talking to the industry every day, get feedback all the time. Yeah. And the vast majority of it is positive. People are planning to go. They're sending other people from their company. Now, it depends how this plays out. But if, if this, we continue down this path, you know, again, by summer, uh, you know, midsummer, if, if most of the population is vaccinated and the rest aren't because they don't want to right. versus, versus they can't get it. I mean, you're in a position where we should be able to, and everything we're hearing is that we should have a sense of normalcy that's comparable to before. Now, not exactly, and sure, some people will be hesitant to travel, but yeah. I think things are gonna change quickly in people's mindset. I think as this, you know, I think come summer, there might be hesitancy, then you're, I'm already seeing more people I know traveling, getting the vaccine. Yeah. Numbers again are going low. Restaurants are relaxing, you know, restrictions. People are going out to eat. The, the traffic in Denver is almost identical to where it was before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So it's it's returning. People are returning oh, quickly. It's just so. that some of the international travels a little bit we can't do right now. Yes. I mean, I know I'm here in South Florida where I'm at. I mean, trust me, the travel, the tourism is booming because people want are kind of rediscovering Florida once again. And as for Vegas, to have a chance, like I know Vegas did a good job. I was following along because obviously I had a little bit of money going into the gaming market. Uh, but I was following Vegas and all the changes they made over there. They did keep up and they've done an excellent job of really getting the hotels back up and doing every possible precaution to go ahead and hold events. So that's great. And also the same thing with the uh, convention center, I'm sure things like that. It's the, the efforts being made and it's just a matter of people just need to go ahead and feel like that the, the fear's gone. We can go back and honestly, we can do the right things and go back out and network once again, because I think everybody is clamoring for that. And I know uh, that's why MJ BizCon that's one of, that's been a go-to place for a number of years, Chris, Walsh, thank you so much for being here on the program. I'm really glad you took some time out to talk to us. Thank you. That was a fun conversation. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Hope we can do it again real soon. And listeners, thank you for listening to the distribution of Blunt Business. Stay tuned to the show. Got a lot of great uh, guests lined up. We're going to talk about lobbying. We're going to talk about DC. We're going to talk about areas in the business that really are standing because obviously there's some hot budget subjects right now that I definitely want to go on, go on and talk about. And I hope I don't have to talk more about COVID anymore on this program we are moving past it we are moving the normalization that's what i'm hoping for thanks for listening i'll talk to you next time
the opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.